welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Bosho. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. I want to talk to you. Maybe one of the most important messages that you can understand as a young person. I want to talk to you tonight about the potter's house or the potter's wheel. How God prepares you and God's process for you to get you to where God wants you to be. And I want to start reading from Jeremiah chapter 18. And I want to read verse 1 to 4. And you can see there's a lot of pots here. And one of these pots represents you. And we have a fantastic lady that's going to help me out tonight. And uh, give her a hand, okay? She's an expert. Um, So she's going to make some beautiful things. And I'm going to smash some ugly things, okay? Uh, That's my job. I smash and she builds. No, I won't break your pots. Don't worry. Can I break everything? Anything. Are you sure? <laughs> she says she's thinking as long as you pay for it. Okay. What is your dearest pot? Yeah, we shall know that by it. Verse 1, the Bible says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred. The word marred means it was broken, it was damaged, it was deformed. All of us, when we come to Jesus Christ, are deformed, misformed, misinformed, damaged, and messed up. So we need God to do something in us and for us if we are going to fulfill God's plan for our lives. And let me say it tonight, God, while we sort out my sound, God's plan is never your plan. And God's way is never your way. I think this is a good part to break, okay? Not because I'm frustrated, just because I want to break something now. So um, it says, He made clay, and the clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So He made it again. We all were born into this world and the longer you lived without Jesus Christ, the more messed up you became, the more damaged you are. We all came to Christ as damaged goods. So we all need an encounter with God and we need the process of God to make us the vessels of honour that God wants to use. So the Bible says, So He made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. I want to say this tonight to everybody uh, sitting in this place and watching in every one of our other churches in Bloomingdale, Johannesburg, Potsdam, wherever you are tonight, Durban and Khabarone, because your pastors are here, I'll give you a lot of attention, um, that God is your Creator. And God decided, listen carefully, without falling off your chair, he decided your biology. You can say amen. He decided your color. <laughs> Sometimes people say, if I was a white man, why do you want to be white? 
Cause black don't crack <laughs> If I was black If I was a man It's a man's world Yes it is No it's not Actually after I got married I found it's a woman's world It's not a man's world I thought it's a man's world Till you get married Then you find out The first few years is a man's world The rest of it is the woman's world Okay um, So uh God decided, listen, I want to say it because we're living in a confused world and we're going to talk about it tonight. Um, God decided your biology, your skin color, black and beautiful, white and beautiful, Asian and beautiful, colored and beautiful. God decided your color. I don't know what's up with the white people that they always want to go lie in the sun and, 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 and get brown. Why are we not happy with who God made us to be? Oh, you're a brunette and you, you wish you were blonde. You're a blonde and now you dye your hair as a brunette. That's okay. You know, it's, it, it keeps the husbands um, um, interested. If you change your hair all the time and change your looks all the time, that's okay. We can handle it. But please just stay the same person. Don't lose yourself in the process. Your personality is by God's design. Okay. You are beautiful. Don't let me sing to you now. You are beautiful, my brothers and my sisters, brethren and sisters. You are beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's handiwork. You are God's design. I don't care what the world has said about you, what you've gone through in life. You may be a marred vessel sitting out tonight because you were abused as a seven-year-old girl or a nine-year-old girl or a 10-year-old girl. But I want to tell you, God's going to get a hold of you and God's going to put His hands on you and God's going to heal you. God's going to heal your brokenness and God's going to remake you and God's going to turn you into something beautiful and you are going to glow and represent and shine the glory of God because you are a vessel of honor. There is no mistake. There is no second-rate citizen. You are created by God. You are unique. You are an original. You don't die a copy. So you better begin to love yourself, accept yourself, and stop minimizing yourself and stop down-talking and stop uh, uh, doubting yourself and begin to celebrate who Jesus made you to be. Come on, celebrate. Somebody tonight just celebrate and say what David said. I am fearfully and wonderfully made that my soul knows very well. Come on. You have to love yourself before you can love anybody else. You have to feel good about yourself before you can make anybody else feel good about themselves. But you ain't going to feel good about yourself until you get into the hands of the Master and until Jesus has His way with your life. Because when you come to Christ, you are messed up, broken, damaged. A lot of damaged people out there that have cracks because they never ever have come to Christ. So I want to talk about the potter, the lady sitting here. God, the clay, you, and the process. Because I think, I think sometimes we get confused. We want to negotiate with God. We're not happy with who we are, where we're at. And let me say this, um, if you have a vision and uh, you believe God's in control of your life, you never are where you exactly want to be because you're always going somewhere. But thank God you're not who you used to be and thank God you're not what you used to be and thank God you're not where you used to be. That God 
has already begun a good work in you. You're a work in progress. The Bible says where His workmanship, His handiwork, recreated in Christ Jesus for good works which God beforehand has ordained. So in Christ you are beautiful. In Christ you are perfect. In Christ you are justified. In Christ you are righteous. So you have to get onto the potter's wheel so God can remake you, remodel you. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creature, creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So you need to accept whom God designed you to be and who God created you to be. And I'm going to say it again. The philosophers of this world do not determine your design. The agendas of this world do not determine your design. God is your creator, your maker. And you're never going to be a whole vessel until you put yourself in the hands of God. Never. You're not going to find yourself through the love of your girlfriend or the love of your boyfriend. You're not going to find yourself losing yourself in the context of what the world says about your identity. Remember the spirit of Babylon is the spirit of the world and the spirit of Babylon wants to do a few things. The spirit of Babylon, if you study the Bible, wants to number one, shut down the church. It wants to stomp every trace of Christianity out of planet earth because the church is the hope of the world and the church is the salt and the light of the earth and the church is the pillar and ground of truth. So the church represents truth in society. So when people say in this day and age, we have to relook at scripture, they better be careful because the Word has stood the test of time. The Bible does not change for any culture, for any opinion, for any agenda. The Word stays the same, tested in the furnace of the earth. Come on, say Amen today. God's Word is still God's answer to the ills and the problems of humanity. God is not going to change His will. No matter how much people debate on TikTok or how many uh, popular YouTube uh, videos people make or what... Um, uh, uh, talk shows people have about the modern day church. The church was birthed 2,000 years ago, established upon the rock who is Jesus Christ and is built upon a foundation which is the Word of God. God's Word can never become a debate, never become a negotiation. We all have to conform to God's way if we want to experience what God has for us because God determined your design. Listen. So in Babylon, if you, if you study the history of, of, of Daniel, um, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and 114 years later on Nehemiah, um, you can study Scripture upon Scripture how Babylon tried to suppress the house of God, close the house of God. And we went through a season of that. And we saw other gods arise and other agendas arise. And many people turned away from the faith. The second thing that the, the spirit of Babylon tries to do, it tries to rob people of their God identity. Because if you doubt your identity, you will doubt your destiny. So what did they do to Daniel? What did they do to all those, those boys? They sold into slavery and they took captive. People don't know this, but they castrated them. Do you understand that? They took their masculinity. They didn't, were not just taken into exile, they were placed with the other eunuchs. That means they were castrated. Their identity, their sexual identity was taken away from them. Because if you don't know who you are, 
And I understand people go and they wrestle and there are seasons in people's lives, especially those who are not in the church where they are trying to find themselves and they look for answers in the wrong place. And that's going to leave you confused. And I'll tell you this, that God is never the author of confusion. God never ever confuses you. When you get close to God, you see yourself exactly for who you are. You don't doubt who God created you to be. It's the world that casts doubt upon who God created you to be. And that foolishness has now spilled over in our education systems. That's why I tell people, parents, bring your children to church on a Sunday so they can hear the Word of God because they're not going to receive education, identity in the school. They're going to get a whole lot of confusion. Why are you so quiet? You're all awake. We're not going to lose ourselves because of the world. The third thing that Babylon tries to do, and you have to listen to this very carefully. It wants to bring the Babylonian spirit into the church, which is what? Bring the world into the church. Well, we're not talking about your dress, your hairstyle and things like that. We're talking about what people practiced in Babylon. They tried to bring to the Jews as well. They tried to bring their gods, their morals, their beliefs, into the church. Now listen, the Roman Empire, when Jesus was born, was one of the most uh, promiscuous societies in the world, was one of the most morally uh, decayed, if there's an English word like that, let me make a new word today, I hope there's not one like that, because like God, when I say it, it is, okay? So um, it, it was a, a moral mess. Rome was a mess. As a matter of fact, you could smell Rome from, from miles away, because of the stench. And I don't even want to go into the practices. Paul sets the tone in Romans chapter 1. He doesn't judge the sinner. He doesn't judge the sin. He sets the tone of what Rome was all about. And that's exactly where Jesus Christ is born. And in Romans chapter 2, he says, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. To get rid of sin, you have to get to the Savior. You have to get to the Christ. Otherwise, that sin is going to destroy you. One of the most powerful empires fell because of moral decay. Listen, if Satan can bring moral decay into the house of God, the house of God will lose its flavour, will lose its power, will lose its, 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 its influence. The church has to be different from people in the world. Come on, you can look like the world, but you cannot act like the world. I'm not saying you have to be holy and irrelevant, but you can't do what everybody else is doing in the world. You just cannot, you cannot. You cannot feast at the tables of Babylon and think it's okay. You cannot. I know young people don't want to hear this. They just want to do whatever they want to do and think it's okay. It's not okay. It's going to mess you up because the paycheck of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Your salary for sin is death, no matter how good you feel about it. Talks about the pleasures of sin for a season. So, so, so that's why Satan will do anything to get you to a place of compromise. One foot in the world, one foot in the church. And your greatest power as a young person is your purity, your separation, that you keep yourself like a Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that you purpose not to be defiled by Babylon. Come on, is the young person I'm talking to, to tonight. Stand to your feet and give him a praise like you believe what I'm saying. Like you're going to be a difference maker, a world shaker. Come on. So if you and your boyfriend were sleeping together, tonight it stops.
Uh, if you got drunk in the clubs last night, you don't do that again. You're not Babylon. You're Christian. No, you better clap louder than that. So I'm not putting a heavy revenue on you, but um, the problem is the world gets a hold of people when they get away from God's process. They stop going to church, they stop reading the Bible, and then the spirit of the world begins to invade those people's lives. Listen to me, young men sitting here tonight. It's not okay that you sleep around with church girls. Let me tell you very carefully, it's not okay. It's not okay that you target church girls and you sleep with them, okay? It's not okay. It's never gonna be okay. And I don't wanna hear about it. I'm telling you straight, looking at you as your pastor, I don't wanna hear about it. I don't wanna hear that you target girls in this church and you go sleep with them and you, and you steal their virginity and you break their virginity. I don't wanna hear that. I don't wanna find you. Listen to me carefully. You're not a virgin stealer. Paso. So, you know, be careful, girls, if the guy keeps you till after 11. You know, my pastor was clever enough. I lived in his house, married out of his house, and he said, you'll be back 11 o'clock. I was already 22 years old. And all I did was evangelize. He said, after 11, nothing good happens. Because that's when the conversation gets real deep, right? And the brother's voice changes to I think we need to pray. Close your eyes and I will lay hands on you. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So thank God He's not finished with us. And as young people, you have time to fix what is broken. You have time to stop nonsense before nonsense destroys you. Your age, you can make work to your advantage by giving God's Word your full attention, by deciding I'm not going to be like everybody else. And I, I said to my girls always, because I raised them to be poor, pure and I protected their virginity. And uh, because I believe it's the father's responsibility to make sure his daughter marries as a virgin. So I had a scanner, which God placed in my eyes, that I could see if there was a fingerprint on my girl's leg. Because it, it was something I was committed to. Because as a father, it's my responsibility to protect my daughter from these Christian young men. Uh-huh. That's why some people don't want to come to CRC because the pastor challenges you to change. So they don't like it. They just want to go hop, skip and jump and never hear that you can't live like the devil and, and feel good about it. You cannot. You, you need to live different. You have to be different. You either are or you ain't. You're either a Christian or you're not. You're either a child of God or you're not a child of God. You have to make up your mind where you stand. So you have to protect yourself. Amen. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you tonight? So you have time for God 
to fix you. Um, no criticism against um, anybody. Please, girls, don't, don't not hear what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. I speak to you as a father in the Lord, okay? No matter what you have done, in a moment, the potter can restore you, remake you, and make you beautiful and brand new like a virgin again. He can. He absolutely can. If you will repent and turn back to God. So I understand peer pressure that was upon my daughters as well. Um, I mean, when I was a teenager, girls 12 years old were losing their virginity already. People think it's a new thing. It happened in my day already. It happened in the 60s. There's no generation suddenly that's so promiscuous. Generations have always been promiscuous. People have always been promiscuous. Always. Since uh, the first few books in the Bible, it's always been there. And there's always been those that refuse to sell out to the world. I said to my girls, because they were, oftentimes their friends would try and put this pressure upon them that they did not date boyfriends. And they felt like, oh, is there something wrong with me? Because no boy is even asking me on a date. No, because the boys were looking at who was standing behind them and that was me because they knew I was going to smash them, okay? That's why they were not going to date my daughters. It wasn't an option. So I said to them, you can become like anybody else, not anybody else, but girls that play around in the world. In three minutes, you can become like any one of them, but they can never become like you again outside of Christ Jesus. In Christ, He makes all things new. He will restore you, rebuild you heal you and prepare you to be a beautiful wife in the future. But there are things that if, if, if you have bad cycles, you have to get back to the potter's wheel and the potter has to break that cycle. The potter has to break that which has caused you to be broken. The walls that are broken down in your mind, your psyche that is broken down, your need for love by giving yourself to a man, feeling that's the way I receive love. That has to be broken in Jesus' name so that you can live a life of fulfillment for the next 50 years, 60 years, 70 years as a daughter of God and as a wife to be married. Come on, girls, say amen tonight in Jesus' name. So there's no guilt here tonight. There's no shame here tonight. But what there is, there is a potter's wheel and you have to decide whether you're going to put yourself back in the hands of the potter and allow the potter to fix you so that you don't live your life like a cracked vessel, a broken vessel. It's a lot of broken people that get married. People that are broken. Holes in their souls, okay? Not these souls, the souls up here. Broken vessels. And in a marriage, two halves don't make a whole. You need two holes to make a whole. That's what a marriage is. So we need to get rid of the brokenness. We need to get rid of the cracks, the pots that are full of cracks. It looks okay but it's filled with cracks. We need to get rid of it. We need to get ourselves whole before God. Are you listening to me? This generation needs to get themselves whole. You need to love yourself the way God loves you so that that handsome dude sitting next to you cannot exploit you with his words and with his compliments. You need to get yourself whole before God. You need Jesus to heal your broken heart. You need Jesus to break your heavy burden off of your life so that you can love yourself, so that you can accept yourself, so you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am fearfully 
and wonderfully made. I don't need anybody else to affirm me. I've been affirmed by my Father in the heaven in Jesus' name. And all my sins have been forgiven. My past has been erased. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I have a future and a hope. And you carry yourself with dignity. And everybody that tries to exploit you, you give them, speak to the hand. You block them. You delete them. You don't even lower yourself to have one conversation with fools like that. Are you listening to me? When the pot is whole, there's no entrance to mar that pot again. But you have to find your wholeness in Christ first. Every brother, every sister, everybody sitting here tonight has a story. I don't know what it is. Maybe your parents went through a divorce. Maybe you went through abuse. Maybe abandonment, rejection, whatever it is. Everybody has a story. That's why God, when He deals with man, He doesn't deal with symptoms, He deals with cause. He deals with the root. He deals with the heart of humanity. He takes out the heart that is broken and He heals it. He takes out the heart of stone and He gives you a heart of flesh, a heart of feeling. He first works in you, then God works through you. And that means you have to willingly, listen, place yourself on the potter's wheel. Not... um, Have you seen the clay jump off there tonight? No, it hasn't. Um, Huh? Can I break that? Okay, let me just break anything. So, uh, and I'm gonna break something. (laughs) I'm not gonna break something. I'll I'll be good. I'll be kind. I'll be nice. Okay, we're gonna talk about fixing. So uh, let's talk about this process of the potter quickly. So um, you have to rest in the process, which is His process, not yours. Because God knows what He is doing. You don't. God's timing is perfect. Yours is not. God knows what He is busy doing in your life. You don't. You have to accept what God is doing and trust Him. You have to let go and let God. And that's difficult because we like to be in control and we like to fix ourselves and then we mess ourselves up even more. So Isaiah 54 or 64 verse 8 quickly, he says, But now, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter, and all we are the work of your hand. Romans 9 verse 20 and 21 it says, But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay? Lift your hand tonight and say, I'm exactly who God intended me to be. Say it tonight in Jesus' name. So to the confused in the world, there's a scripture for you. The confused YouTubers, the confused podcasters, the confused opinionators, the confused culture shapers in the world, the agnostics of the world, the people who say there is no God. God has a scripture for you. And I want to give it to you in your face. It says in Isaiah 29 verse 18, Surely... You have things turned around. That's God talking. You think you're in control, but one day you're going to find out 
I'm God and you are not. You have your opinion. One day you're going to find out your opinion means nothing because you will stand before the glorified Christ and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Shout Amen in Jesus' name. He says to these people all over the world, people that are trying to reshape the agenda, people that are talking about a new world order, that are trying to reshape our beliefs. But listen, I'm a Bible believer. I say it again. I'm a Bible believer. Call me a conservative, narrow-minded person. I choose to believe the Bible. I choose to build my life on solid ground. I choose to build my life on the Word of God. I choose to raise my children on the Word of God. I choose to hold the values of God's Word dear. I choose to believe that God's Word is the foundation of all truth. Not some truth, all truth. All truth originates from the Word of God. As a matter of fact, when you study history, you will see all cultures are shaped on the foundation of God's Word. All cultures. People have turned away from God, but their culture still stands on the Word of God, which is truth, which is ultimate truth. So he says, Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? Suddenly our government doesn't want to talk about God. Suddenly our education uh, 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 specialists, whatever you want to call them, wants to take God out of the equation. Suddenly there are things that come from the West financed by America and Canada brought into our education system to, to confuse our young people. More than ever, we have to teach our children the Bible. We have to teach our children at church the Bible. We have to teach young people the Bible because what they're hearing at school is absolutely rubbish. Half the time, it is going to confuse them and leave them in a chaotic mess. He says, shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? For shall the thing, I like God, the thing, say to Him, not the thing say to the thing, the thing, the dust, <laughs> the dust, cause from dust you came and to dust you will return. Buddy, I don't care how big your ego, the worms are going to eat you one day. You will return to dust if your family doesn't burn you and put you in a little box of ashes. But God is everlasting. God is. God is the great I am. God doesn't need your vote to be God. God doesn't need your agreement to be God. God doesn't need your validation. God is God all by Himself. And the truth is, this amazing God loves you. This amazing God believes in you. This amazing God wants to heal you. This amazing God wants to put you on a road of hope so you can live the future that God has for you. But you have to get yourself to the potter's wheel where you have an encounter with God and God can fix you up. Because we're all in a mess till we come to Jesus. And even after that, we're a continual work in progress. And we get back to that potter's wheel all the time and we stand the potter's wheel until God makes us who He wants us to be. You jump off prematurely, you're going to have to go back, buddy. He says, you present your body as a living sacrifice. God doesn't want the dead duck. 
He wants a living sacrifice. He wants your free will where you put yourself in His hands. That's why accepting Christ is the highest privilege and honour that you have as a human being. Where you say, Jesus, with your will, with your intellect, with your heart, your faith, you believe, you say, I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. I surrender my life willingly to you. That's what gets you to heaven, nothing else. So it says, for shall the thing made say of him who made it, he did not make me. Well, who made you? Now I spilled out on some red rock. I'm an Amobia Proteus and, and over millions of years, I developed and grew little fingers and then a little fin and then I swam for a bit and I grew a tail. And uh, so why have you stopped evolving? I know some of you are, but I mean, why have you not evolved any further in the last 6,000 years? Because 6,000 years God created you in His image and we are exactly the same for the last 6,000 years. So everything else is, is, a, is a bunch of baloney. Listen to me. It takes more faith to, create, to believe in evolution than to believe in creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and God created man in His own image. It, 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 it takes faith to believe that God made you and He did. He's your Creator. Or shall the thing formed say of Him who formed it, He has no understanding. I mean, you listen to these YouTubers and you listen to these people that have these talk shows it's like suddenly God doesn't know what He's doing. For the first time in 6,000 years, we are so advanced that suddenly God, who is omniscient, God who created everything, God who weighed when He created the earth as the greatest scientist ever, just took a piece of sand and a piece of water in His hands, weighed it and decided how everything can be. I mean, if it wasn't for gravity, you'd all float away. You'd just all fall off the earth spinning. You'd all just disappear, float off into the sky, etc., etc., etc. You don't believe there's a God. The Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there's no God. Because it's not a big bang. God created the big bang when God said in the beginning, let there be light and there was light. God created everything, okay? So He's your creator. He's your maker. He's all powerful. He's omniscient. And for the first time, suddenly, and I, I listen to these people that are influencers, and suddenly they want to tell us, Christians and the rest of the world, that we have to rewrite the Bible. First time in 2,000 years, the Bible is not relevant because we are so advanced in our thinking and so advanced in our understanding that there's no place for God's Word anymore. I put it to you, it's a major spirit of deception that wants to take away people's morality, confuse people concerning their identity to stop the greatest revival that God has intended on planet earth, but He will not be able to. Because when that devil comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord is gonna lift up a standard against him and the church is gonna push back. People are gonna push back and people are gonna stand up and God is gonna be glorified in Jesus' Name. So so, so please, don't be a rollover. Be a Daniel, a Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Not that judges other people. I'm not against people for anything they believe. But your belief is your belief. Don't impose your belief on me. I mean, the amazing thing of these people is that they are intolerant of our belief. But we have to be tolerant of their foolishness. 
right? Now, when you get into a debate, you never judge anybody, no matter where people are, what people feel, what they believe. It's, it's their personal thing. But they cannot impose that on society. Jesus never imposed himself on anybody. As a matter of fact, he says, I put before you life and death, blessing, cursing, you choose. He never forces himself on any human being. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, you choose. He says, whoever is heavy burdened, come to me and I'll give you rest. He gives you choice. Everything about Christ is choice. You choose whether you're going to follow Him. He doesn't grab you by the scruff of the neck like some of our parents did when we said a wrong word and washed your mouth with sunlight soap. How many of you have had that? Yeah. You see, Love boy. Not a lot of love in that. Right? Right? She didn't just leave you. I mean, I had the most amazing mother. I mean, all my friends feared her. Um, and somehow she always knew where I was. <laughs> we would sit in our house bunking and all be drinking, etc. And yeah, she would come with a green Peugeot and everybody would, your ma, your ma. It's like, Everybody would run. I mean, everybody. If I was in a club somewhere, two o'clock in the morning, and my mother heard about it, she would come, my mama, and she would come and look for her boy. As drunk as I was, as messed up as I was, she came to fight for her boy. She came to fight for her children. When my sister lived in Hillbrow, and she, she was bound by, and, and I mean, we come from intelligent family, good family, etc. but we lost our way, okay. Uh, she drove to Hillbrow. Now, in those days, okay, Hillbrow isn't now what it is now, but in those days, uh, I went there on a binge as well for a week and my mother came looking for us, couldn't find us. But then eventually she found my sister and dragged her into the car and dragged her home and brought her back to save her girl. Now, that's what my mother did. But you know, God's never going to come and grab you by the scruff of your neck and drag you to church or drag you to the potter's wheel. God's going to love you, touch you with His presence, then give you the option whether you will choose Him or whether you will walk away from Him. So He's the potter, we are the clay. The problem with many, many people are, they jump off the potter's wheel before the potter is finished with it. They get tired of the process. It's taking too long. They don't like what God is doing. But God's busy doing something beautiful which you cannot see. God is busy shaping you into something. God is busy getting the lumps out of the clay so that you can be a vessel of honor. God is working you, purifying you, refining you. So it means you have to trust the potter. You have to trust the process. You have to trust whom God created you to be and accept it and stop thinking if I was like her, if I looked like her, if I had her voice. No, 
You are an original. You need to find yourself. You need to discover yourself. You need to love yourself. You need to celebrate yourself in Christ so you can be everything God created you to be and nothing less in Jesus' Name. So you have to allow Him to use you as He wants to use you. And sometimes in being used by God, we feel abused. But every vessel has a function. I mean, imagine your coffee cup complaining in the morning and says, you've now made coffee in me a hundred times or a thousand times. No, I bought you to be a coffee mug. Be a good coffee mug and shut up and just allow me to drink my coffee. So you may sit on the, on the, on the worship in the band and after three years you feel, I need a sabbatical. I'm sacrificing so much for God. No, you have the honour and the privilege to worship in the house of God. And even if nobody says thank you, you need to realize as an usher, as a camera woman man, as a sound man, that that is your function and you have to celebrate it, that God is using you in His house for His glory. You're a vessel of honor. So let's talk about the process quickly in a few hours, okay? Because I know you have a, a huge appetite for the Word of God. Number one, the clay has to go to the wheel. That means... On the potter's wheel, you lose all power. Oops. We don't like that, do we? That was good. On the wheel, we learn to die. Not easy, is it? Because we were all taught how important we are, and especially us millennials, not us, you. And... Um, uh, you know, whether, you, whether you, you get a reward for everything, and that's fine. We will reward you for everything. But you still have to go to the potter's wheel, where the potter is going to work on you, and it's going to be painful, and it's going to be a process. And it's going to be a making, and then when you don't allow him to work, he has to remake you, flatten you, remake you, flatten you again, remake you. So, so sometimes we determine the length of the process. Our submission to the process determines the length of the process. Because we don't want to die. We don't want to die. We just want to be saved and we want to be the greatest directors that ever the, the world ever saw. If you're going to be a, a director of a great company, there's going to be a process involved. There's going to be a lot of hardships. There's going to be a lot of rejections. There's going to be many battles you have to face. That's why the vessel has to be made. The vessel has to be purified, but at the same time, the vessel has to be made fireproof. Because whenever God uses you, you watch any musician, any actor, actress, any sportsman, and I stand shocked sometimes, where somebody does a brilliant performance and you watch the comments, how people criticize them. I think what kind of person are you even to go on social media on somebody else's page and you put a negative comment on somebody else's page? The girl sings, she gets the award and you get a, 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 a woman of the East in Pretoria, Frodo's von Western Pretoria, and they'll make a comment about her hair or they'll make a comment about her dress. Get over yourself, lady, and just celebrate her greatness, celebrate her talent and put your little fingers away of always having to make a negative comment about somebody else. 
Because when you always listen, say negative things about other people, you are telling everybody else you don't have a good self-image, you feel bad about yourself, and the only way you can feel good about yourself is to say bad things about other people. You pull other people down thinking that that's going to elevate you. That's why people criticize other people. The only reason, there's no other, other reason in the world. If you feel good about yourself, you celebrate other people. You don't pull them down, you celebrate them. You say, that was great, that was a great job, well done. Because you're secure in yourself, right? So John the Baptist said, I must decrease that Christ may increase. Jesus himself said, John 10, 12, 24 to 26, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, choice, it produces fruit or much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves him, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, I love this, him, my father will honor. You follow God's process, then God's, the father will honor you and God will bless you and God will promote you in his time. I want to say that in his time. Because sometimes we think we're ready for something and we're not. The minute we go out there in the world, we are going to get broken. Huh? Right? Ready to glaze. There we go. I chose the smallest one. It's the least amount of money. Okay. So um, that's how we are. We get out there in the world and we shat it. We don't get the job. We don't get the interview. We don't get the... We go into deep depression because we've never gone through the process. Because we sometimes want to preempt the will of God. I've seen how many people called to the ministry, great preachers, but they're not ready. They go and start a church and, and, and they go nowhere because they jumped off the wheel or it was never their design. Now listen, God determines your design, not your prayer life. Your prayer life is your, 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 is your consecration to the will of God. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. God is not your servant. He's the potter, you are the clay. You find out your design, you find out your destiny, then you submit. Your greatest prayer that you should pray is the prayer of consecration. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. Because if that's God's plan for your life, it will be blessed. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. It will still be a process, but you will have the grace for the process, okay? You step outside of God's grace, you are gonna struggle a lot. Because if God has not designed you for it, it ain't gonna work, honey. It's not gonna work. You can pray till Jesus comes back, but you're not gonna run the 100 meters in under 10 seconds, weighing 350 kilograms. It's not gonna happen unless the uh, anointing of God comes upon you and your name is Elijah. You're not gonna play in the basketball team if you're five foot two. No matter what angel appeared to you in your bedroom, maybe as the ball boy. Amen. Your design is a clue to your destiny. Your personality is a clue to your destiny. Everything about you is a clue to your destiny. That's why you first have to discover yourself in Him. Because when you find your maker, you discover yourself. And then life becomes easy. But there first has to be a death. There first has to be going to the 
to the potter's wheel. Matthew 16, Jesus said, verse 24, Therefore Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself. Not something we like to do, right? Social media especially, people don't deny themselves. They just talk about themselves. Notice me, I'm great. I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great. Yes, you are. But it's not your time to shine, honey. It's your time to be silent. It's your time to learn. It's your time to grow. It's your time to become. If anyone desires to come after him, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What is the cross? It is not my will be done, but thy will be done. It sounds easy to say it, but it's the most difficult prayer that you can pray. Because you have to submit. We're not taught to submit at all. But you want to follow God's process for your life, you have to learn to submit to God's Word and to God's will for your life. He says, For whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So on the potter's wheel, we learn to let go and let God. We allow God to smooth us out, to remove the lumps, the bumps, the character flaws. We learn to consecrate ourselves to the potter's will. 2 Timothy 2 verse 20 and 21, the Bible says, In a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Now you sit there and you say, Ah, I'm just a vessel of clay. Let's continue to read. Some for honour and some for dishonour. doesn't stop there. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honour. God wants every believer to be a vessel for honour sanctified and useful for the Master, prepared for every good work. Say a good amen tonight. Number two, from the wheel, you are placed on the shelf. Oh, we don't like the shelf because we come off the wheel and we look good. We feel, oops. Alice is no naughty so. We feel ready. We look good. I feel good. We feel ready. But, 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 something is lacking. We haven't matured. We have the potential. We have the design. Everybody can see the potential. But premature release will cause you to self-destruct. So you're 19 years old, you want to get married. Maybe you're not ready to have a husband yet. Maybe you first have to develop certain things. Maybe you have to deal with certain character issues. Otherwise your marriage is going to be a nightmare. Come on, you're not ready to be director of that company. You first have to learn to clean your car, clean your house. You first have to learn to get up early in the morning. You're not ready. We can all see you have the potential, but the potential is not good enough. You need to go through the process. You need to go through the process of purification, of refinement. You need to go through the process of being placed on the shelf. Oh, we don't like this. I've been singing in the choir for three years and I've got the best voice in the church. I have all this potential and nobody notices me. Now I'm going to go do my own thing. And you self-destruct. Because the potter has power over the clay. The potter determines the process. 
you never promote yourself. Somebody else takes you off the shelf. You can never take yourself off the shelf. Joseph never took himself off the shelf. Pharaoh said, go call Joseph. Get Joseph out of the prison. Joseph's time has come. Although it was the Lord, Joseph didn't buy a microphone and go. Joseph was faithful. God was with him. Joseph was on the shelf. Joseph was in a prison. Joseph had a great dream. Joseph went through a journey of betrayal. Joseph went through a wilderness experience until the time came for God to promote him. Your day of promotion will come. But my dear brother, my dear sister, you are first going to be placed on the shelf. And I don't know how long that's going to be. I don't know how long the maturing process is going to take place. But everybody will be shelved. You're ready for the big time and God goes silent on you. I mean, I was ready to change the world. Um, I got saved. Um, and was in the ministry for two years and had this vision to be an evangelist and preach all over the world. And I uh, was going to join Peter Pretorius Ministries because I'd never understood these things. Nobody taught it in those days. And... Uh, and then God spoke to me and he said, you ain't ready. And uh, he sent me to Lady Bread for six people. My vision was, I want to change the whole world. I want to preach all over the world. I see stadiums and all these things that God says, Buddha, wilderness view, desert. I was in Lady Brand five years. Listen to me, everybody that's in the ministry. People in the ministry two years old, they call themselves, two years in the ministry, they call themselves spiritual fathers. Man, jy is nog nat achter die oore. Jy weet nog nie wat een geestelike pa is nie. Een geestelike pa is iemand wat 20, 30 jaar in die bediening is. Jy word nie een geestelike pa nie, want een geestelike pa is soos apostel. Dit is een senior bediening. Nobody is a, a spiritual father. You, you, a brother in that church. So, um, I was two years in the ministry then in Lady Brain, built that church. I came back to Bloom and then God said, now your preparation is over. Seven and a half years in the ministry. God said to me, now you're entering your first phase of the ministry. Not, and I was preaching, people were getting saved, etc., etc., etc. But I was not standing in an office. I was being prepared for an office. And when I went to Bloemfontein, the anointing world came upon me, everything changed. There, there was the, the potential was there, the fire of God was there, but I wasn't standing in an office. That's why it grieves me when every young person calls himself a pastor and every young girl that marries a person in the ministry is called a pastor as well. It's totally wrong. The doctrine is wrong. It's total wrong teaching. It's not correct. It's not accurate at all. I don't care how beautiful the vessel is. It, it has to mature. It has to first go through the process. It has to go through testing. It has to go through the wilderness. It has to learn how to be humbled. It has to learn how to live dependent upon the grace of God. Are you listening to me tonight, young people? Please listen. Because if you use this vessel, it's going to break. Maybe not now. Maybe we can pour wine in here four or five times, but then it's going to break. The wine gaan dier cijfer. Hy gaan dier cijfer. Things are going to cipher through if there's an English word like that. Things are not going to work because you've not gone through the process. So please hear me. You can never reclaim the ownership of your life. I'm saved now 40 years. I cannot now come and say I've served the Lord for 40 years. Now I'm taking the ownership of my life. The day you do that, you're in trouble. You can never, ever, ever, ever reclaim the ownership of your life. Paul the Apostle says, I die daily. 
Every day you have to die to yourself. Every day you have to say, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Every day you go back to the master. You go back to the potter. You allow him to do further work in you, etc. If, if there's a little uh, 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 paint off of you, then the paint has to be uh, uh, placed on you, etc. Doesn't make sense to you tonight. You preempt God's will, you will get yourself in trouble and you prolong your wilderness experience like Moses, who was called as a deliverer, raised as a deliverer. He preempted the will of God and he put himself in the wilderness for 40 years. Never was God's plan for him. 40 years in the wilderness because you never went through the process. You don't study today and tomorrow you, you're a heart surgeon. You have to be qualified, gain experience to become that top doctor that God called you to be. Same with a businessman, same with building a great church, drawing people to your ministry doesn't mean you've stood the test of time. There's nothing like the test of time. So if, if God blesses you prematurely, you can miss out on God's character forming. Your ego, your pride becomes too big and it's a matter of time you're going to come crashing down. So you have to walk accountable and learn to live humbly before God because that's what the wilderness is all about. The wilderness, and it's something we all have to go through, or the shelf experience, is where we feel abandoned. It's where we feel God has placed us on the shelf. We're ready and God's not releasing us. And I have to say this, be very careful who you talk to when you get to be in your bonnet. If you're doing something, like let's say I'm pastoring these churches now, okay? And next Sunday I announce, no, I'm now going to America and uh, I'm taking over Rick Godwin's church. Amen, I'm gone by the end of this month. Hallelujah! How many of you are going to believe that's God? Why? Huh? Why are you looking at me like I'm talking French? Why wouldn't you believe that's God? But if you come with your nonsense, why must I believe it's God? That's a weak hand clap. Don't even do that, please. So in the world, I'll be finished now. Um, in the wilderness, you discover valuable things. You learn about yourself. You learn about God. In Lady Brand, I thought about quitting all the time. Do you believe that? Yes, I did. Every Monday, I wanted to quit. I felt like I'm wasting my time. I was frustrated. I have a little bit of intelligence. And I thought, what the heck am I doing in a little stupid place like this? It's not a stupid place. It's a blessed place. What am I doing here? Every Monday, I thought, what am I doing here? I'm quitting. And I would go pray. And then every Monday, I would resign from quitting until I was at the place where God knew I wasn't going to quit then God called me to Plymouth and I say I'm not going suddenly I'm telling God he wakes me up two o'clock in the morning he said I've told you I said okay Lord I said to Noretta we're moving to Bloomfield she said okay Lord So the wilderness, listen, always stands between you and your destiny. Always. When God took Israel to the promised land, and I want to close, uh, shorten this to close, the Bible says the reason He took them in Deuteronomy 8 verse 2 was to humble them. 
humility. Living dependent upon God's grace as your only resource. True humility. Accepting God's will for your life is final. Not debating with Him. Submitting. If it's to be a doorkeeper in the house of God, it's yes, Lord. He says He took them through the wilderness or He placed them on the shelf to what? To test them. Test what is in their hearts. To know what is in your heart and to see whether you would keep God's commandments. Because it's in that place of abandonment that we can lose ourselves. It's in the wilderness that we can run back to Babylon. It's when we feel we do not have value that we can go back to seek significance somewhere else. Every young man will go through that. Whether you're a businessman, 23, 24, 25, 26, maturing from a young adult to a man taking responsibility is a difficult season. You go through that. And when you're in the wilderness, you need few voices, not many voices, because voices will confuse you. They will lead you astray in a wrong place. That's why you need to stay close to God. As we see Joseph, while he was going through his wilderness experience, the Bible says the Lord was with him every time. The Lord was with him and the Lord prospered him. So you will always see God's grace. You will always see God's presence. And you will always see that God has not abandoned you in the wilderness. But you have to learn the valuable lessons. Ultimately, what God is trying to teach you in the wilderness, that man shall not live, read it, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that you will build your life on God's Word and God's Word alone. You will not build your life on anything else. That's why you have to come through the process where you are stripped from your opinion. You are stripped from your self-belief. You are stripped. You first, the layers first have to be taken off of you before the layers of Christ can be placed back on you. And it happens in the wilderness. We don't want to hear it. But everybody goes to that place if you are going to reach your destination. And uh, initially when God led Israel from Egypt to, to uh, the land of Canaan, remember it was going to be a journey of seven to eight months where God wanted them to learn these lessons. They could not. So a whole generation had to perish so the new generation could learn that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You build your life on the Word of God. You build your life submitted to God and to God's process. Every day of your life, you live in submission to God as your Father, to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Same in young person. Not at times you reclaim the ownership of your life, but you learn submitted. In the process of God and serving the purpose of God, because the vessel that God makes is for His glory. That's why sometimes we have to be remade because we think it is for our glory. No, it's not. We are merely a reflection of His glory. So when you're a great rugby player, God gifted you, God talented you, but it's for His glory. You're a great athlete, He gifted you for His glory. A great soccer player, for His glory. A great speaker, for His glory. A great businessman, for His glory. Not for my glory. We don't reflect ourselves. We radiate Him. That's why there has to be a process, right? Where we are stripped of ourselves. Can you handle this? 
so that we can be fireproof, so that when the attacks come, the criticism comes, the persecution comes, and it will, no matter what you do. Where God takes you, the higher you go, the more people will criticize you. When you stand at the top of the mountain, you're unfazed by what people say because you have been handcrafted by God and you know exactly who you are. Nothing can faze you and nothing can shake you because you do not play to the praises of people. You pray for the audience of one. You pray for the audience of God and you love to glorify Him and you love to stand before Jesus one day to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And then the final thing that happens and we'll talk about it next week is you go to the fire. The vessel, when it thinks it's ready, goes through the fire. The process of purification where God burns out the hay, the chaff and the stubble and God burns into you the image of Christ and God makes you fireproof where this world no longer has a hold on you. But you live free and you live in victory because that's God's plan for each and every one of you. Do you believe it tonight? Do you receive the word? Give the Lord a praise. Come on, everybody. Come on, praise Him like you mean it. Come on, vessels of honor, vessels of honor, vessels of honor, fit for the master's use, vessels of honor. That's who we want to be, vessels of honor. Where we submit ourselves willingly, we give ourselves willingly, we submit ourselves willingly, we yield ourselves willingly, we present ourselves willingly. Amen. Uh, take your seat, we're going to pray. Um, I thank God that at a young age I had enough common sense not to listen to people who were well-meaning but were not God-sent. That's a deep statement. I actually say a lot of deep things from here that because I talk so quick, it just goes over your heads. You say a lot of profound things. You have to go actually listen to my message, slow forward. telling you because if you listen to half of what I said it'll change your life forever so I had a lot of people in my beginning years formative years uh, when I was in Lady Brand and also in the place of total frustration I had people come in a, a little bus travel to Lady Brand all business people 134 kilometers from Bloomfield uh, we are now going to come to this church every Sunday because God's hand is on you and you're anointed and we're going to support your ministry all the way from Lady from Bloemfontein. And I thought to myself, you can't find a, perfect, a church in, in Bloemfontein and you want to come to Lady Brand? I don't want you. And I told them, I didn't want the offering. I said, you live in Bloemfontein. If you can't find a church in Bloemfontein, then this is not the church for you. They never came back. Praise God. Because they were people with their own agenda. Then another group came to me. And some of them were my relatives. And said, come start a church in Bloomfield. Come start a church in Bloomfield. We've gathered like a hundred people. Come start a church in Bloomfield. And I'm sitting there with a few people. I'm thinking, Bloomfield. Yeah, half million men, sir. Lady Brown, three men, sir. Thank God I never obeyed them. I never followed their desire and their agenda for me because if I had done it, 
I wouldn't be here today. Listen to me very carefully. I had to stay in Lady Brand. I had to stay. I had to work through my frustration. I had to work through my wanting to quit. I, wa- I had to go through the process to become the person God needed me to be 40 years later. I had to go through it. And the only way is going through the wilderness and going through the fire where you learn to die so that you can live the resurrection life of Christ where no matter what comes your way, you know that God is in control. People, this is very powerful because we're not taught this way. We're taught that it has to be feel good and if it feels good, it's God. No, not always. As a matter of fact, very often when it's God, you do not feel good. You hit the floor and you heil snot and trana. You repent, you cry out to God. You, you, I'm not saying that you sin conscious or you become wormy, but this theology that if it's God, you have to feel good. Where's that in the Bible? Do you think it felt good for Jesus to go to the cross? The Bible says He sweated great drops of blood. He said, Father, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He don't feel good about it. It wasn't just, hey, Peter, let's go to the cross. I'm going to die for the whole world. Beep, 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 beep. Nothing about it felt good. He wanted to avoid it with everything in him. But he paid that price because of his love for you and me. And he laid his life down. And we are called to lay our lives down for Christ and for the cause of Christ. And never take our lives back. Never take ownership of our lives back. Ever, 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 ever. We stay on the potter's wheel. We stay in the potter's hand. We listen to what God says and God never changes His mind. Come on. We stay in the process. We stay in the furnace. We stay for the cause, for the duration. We stay for the glory of God because we have been placed on this earth for the glory of God and for nothing else. You need to hear me tonight. If you plan to last, as many people start in their 20s, very few still serve God in their 60s. You want to be the generation, Generation Z, that serves God for a whole generation. You want to serve God when you're 40. When you marry a guy one day, you want him to be in church with you. You marry a girl, you want her to be in church with you. You want to raise your children in the house of God. You want to raise your grandchildren in the house of God. You want to do it differently. You want to be people of God, come on. And you have to make those decisions now as young people, today. Not three years from now, today while you have time. You make the decision to give your life to Christ. Stop messing around, stop playing around. Stop committing yourself to something and three months later it's no longer convenient, then you bail out. It's a bad pattern, especially if you're a young man. Stop that nonsense. Amen. I love you enough to really be truthful because this life you have to live a certain way if you intend to stay strong and last the course stay the stay the race you have to you have to be very different very determined very focused and tonight you have the opportunity your life has been messed up as a Christian sometimes as Christians we have to go back to that part as well I'm telling you because we jumped off or a boyfriend took us off or a girlfriend took us off or a friend that got offended took us off the potter's wheel, right? 
Uh-huh. Somebody with a well-meaning opinion. Peter said to Jesus, No, Lord, you can't go to the cross, Jesus. He said, Get behind me, Satan. You don't savor the things of God. Get behind me. Some of you have to go back to the potter's wheel. You have to surrender your life to Christ or re-surrender your life to Christ and get back in the process of God. That girl that you've been dating have taken you away from God. That boy, it's the biggest problem with young people. It's relationships. You get back to God. You look at the world and you think Babylon has something for you to offer. Tell me what. Shout it out. What? What does it have for you? What? It will leave you hollow, empty. It's going to destroy you. How do I know? Because I live there, man. You can party all night, put a smile on your face, dance all night. You climb in bed. No matter who sleeps next to you, you still wake up alone. You still think, what the heck am I doing? Because every human being has a need for God. You can try and drown that need out by avoiding church or avoiding worshiping God. But the vacuum is going to grow bigger. And the bigger that vacuum is going to grow, the more Babylon is going to call you to fill that void. You make a decision tonight to put yourself back on the potter's wheel because your maker, your creator, your father is loving, caring, merciful. That is not a wheel of judgment. One day when we stand at the white throne judgment, it will be a, a, a throne of judgment. Now it's not. Now God gives you an opportunity to repent, to get yourself back to the potter's house, to get yourself back to the potter's wheel and to give yourself back to Jesus and say, here I am. Maak eens ek wat jou vriend langs jou dit nie man. Toe ek gered is, het my twee beste vriende langs my gesit. Nie even dat hulle harte vir die hele gegeen nie. Hulle levens het een gemors uitgedraai, al twee van hulle. Al twee van hulle. Selle woord gehoor, selle dag gewees, al twee van hulle kon levens vir die hele gegeen. Een moes vlug uit die land uit, as gevolg van die dolz is wat hy aan die gejaag het uit, in een land geblijf vir oor die derig jaar, want hulle woon doodgemaak het. Hy het die dag in die kerk saam my gesit, hy kon sy leven vir die hele gegeen. Hy het gekies om het nie te doen, hy het een moordenaar geboord. Mense doodgemaak. Dis hoe sy leven verkeerd gegaan het. Because like me, he had an extreme personality, he went the wrong direction. You can't have a certain personality and not follow Christ. You're going to self-destruct. You'll destroy yourself. This is not something you can do part-time. You do this full out. You give yourself to Christ. You surrender all to Jesus Christ. There's no half surrender. There's no half measure. There's no every now and again church, Christianity. It's not in the Bible. You give yourself to Jesus. There's young people here tonight, if you don't give your life to Christ, maybe somebody hires you a year, two years from now to go kill somebody for 500 rand. These are realities, okay? Realities. Been a pastor long enough. Seen a lot of things. Seen the seriousness of moments like this. That this determines everything about your life. Whether God has you or whether you have yourself, you have a choice. On every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving, please, tonight, you can give yourself to Jesus. The potter is waiting to heal you, to remake you, to reshape you, 
to make you into something beautiful. But you have to be honest and give yourself back to Him. Put yourself in the potter's hand. You say, Pastor, tonight, no one moving, please. I'm ready to put myself in the potter's hand. I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ. I, I want to get back to the potter's wheel. I've jumped off that wheel for whatever reason. It doesn't matter. It's not a wheel of condemnation and judgment. It's a wheel of invitation where He calls you tonight. They're in Bloemfontein, in Johannesburg, here in Pretoria, in Durban, in Cape Town, in Potsdam, in Gaborone, took all our beautiful churches, people all over the place. God talking to you tonight. Give yourself back to Jesus. Give yourself back to Jesus tonight. Give yourself back to Jesus tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Pastor, God's talking to me. I want to give my life back to Jesus. Or I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's your desire, quietly, wherever you are, just slip up your hand. I want to say a prayer for you quickly. All over this place, raise your hand up. Raise it up, raise it up. Thank you, God. Bless you, bless you, God. Bless you, many hands. Raise it up, raise it up. Raise it up. Come on. Raise it, raise it, raise it, raise it. Say yes, include me in that prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you, bless you, bless you. Raise it up. Forget your friends now. Forget those around you. He's calling you to the potter's wheel tonight. Tonight you say, I'm coming. I'm coming home. I'm putting my life on there. People abused, people misused, young generation, young girls, raped. Little boys molested. Now men sitting with that anger. Guy in America recently killed his parents and somebody else. And his excuse was, because I was molested as a child and nobody ever did anything about it. Carried that anger all the years. And as a 40-something-year-old, he went and killed everybody. Carried that anger for all those years. You don't have to carry that anger. God knows you've been hurt. God knows you've been broken. Give yourself to Jesus. Let Him make something beautiful out of your life. Before I pray, you've not yet raised your hand tonight. God's talking to you. There's a stirring in your heart. Lift your hand up tonight. So I'm ready to give myself back to Jesus. Lift your hand now. Come. We always have to live dependent on God's grace and on, on the presence of the Holy Spirit if we are going to lead God's flock. Can never serve God for gain and never serve God for ego. We are servants. And all the pastors that serve in all the CRC churches, you are there to be servants of Christ. That's it. Strong, confident, but humble servants of Christ. You and your wife. Confident, strong servants. Do not allow people to give you titles and call you things prematurely. It will destroy you. It's a culture that's wrong, that comes from the West, that's unbiblical, which I will address in our movement. It's not okay. A lot of things I see on social media is not okay. It's not biblical. It's not in line with Scripture. We'll set things in order and build according to God's pattern. You don't need a title to turn a city around. You just need to be a man on fire, a woman on fire. I mean, when, when I am in the world and especially in the gym and travel, etc., I never tell people I'm a pastor. I tell people I, because I do other things as well. I don't just do ministry like 
almost 0% of my time. And then when people recognize me, find out I'm a pastor, they think, gee, you should not be a pastor. What the heck is a pastor in any case? What must a pastor look like? Huh? Jesus was man. So, so, so all these people that carry these titles of bishop, apostle, prophet, I mean, you're 23 years old and you're a prophet and your wife's 21 years old. You don't even know what time of the day it is and you call yourself a prophet. Please, just get over this nonsense. Get over this nonsense. They didn't walk around and call Jesus prophet Jesus. Apostle Jesus, please. Let's just stop this nonsense. Stop it. A young generation has to show respect and honor to a generation that's ahead of them. That's why we allow people to call us pastors, etc., etc. Because familiarity breeds content. It's the only reason. But when I'm out there in the world, people call me my first name. I don't need somebody to call me a title. Actually, I don't like it because it pulls a gap in me. Mama, do you know when you come and say, I'm going to stay with you. From there, you're going to be on your own. Because it doesn't work. Your verwantheid is not built for a second. It doesn't work. Als jy dier mekaar raak nie. Moet ek jy broeder noem nie. Ek is nie jou broeder nie. Twintig jare gesê, broeder. Ja, boetie. Nee, ja, snuiter. Ja, nat achter die oore. Moet ek so met jou praat. Asseblief. Asseblief. So while we respect those in honor, let's understand that what I'm preaching tonight is very applicable for those in the ministry, that you need to be that vessel of honor that God can use and stay in a place of brokenness, in a place of sacrifice, so that the sound that comes through you is the glory of God, nothing else. You never become self-important. Never. You never strut around. Please listen to me. It's not our culture. It's not something I'll tolerate from any young pastor. No matter how God blesses your church, I won't tolerate any of that nonsense will not tolerate it it's not the example I gave you it's not an example I will tolerate from any person it's not who we are we serve the people we love the people we thank the people the church is because of the people not because of you don't forget it and you don't need people to tell you how anointed you are please it's the biggest nonsense in the world you're not the most anointed person in the world. And if people start writing that on social media about you, you know that they're setting you up for a fall. Absolute nonsense. So don't let people boost your ego because they set you up for your downfall. So your staff that's blowing smoke up your backside, tell them to stop it. Stop that nonsense. Stop it quickly. Because Satan is going to exploit your ego and it's going to be your downfall. You need to go back to the potter's wheel, some of you. Yeah. It's a long journey, this. Long journey. You still have 30, 40 years ahead of you. Stay humble. Stay with your feet on the ground and serve God as a servant of Christ and a servant of man. That's it. That's who we are as CRC. Okay? Donkey. Put your hand on your heart. Pray with me, please. Everyone, pray this prayer with me all over the church. Pray this tonight. Say, Lord Jesus, I give myself back to you. I surrender my life to you. I believe with all my heart, you are the Christ. You died for my sin. 
believe you rose from the grave and you are alive tonight. I open my heart and I invite you to take your rightful place as my Lord, as my Savior. Please forgive my sin and heal my heart. Thank you for doing a new thing in my life tonight. I receive your grace by faith and therefore I know that I am saved because of your love and through what Jesus did for me. I'm born again. I'm heaven bound. I'm forgiven. My past is behind me. My future, I embrace ahead of me through submitting my life to you, Lord Jesus. Now please lead me and guide me and make me the vessel that you want me to be. I surrender all to you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.